so this is the new way since since the olden days. Is I use a Google Doc, Charles. Use a shared uh-huh. Google Doc. <laughs> this is intense. And and it right now it's blank. See, I'm gonna top in type in uh-huh. topics. Right. Yep. Uh huh. Topic topic number topics. one. Charles is stressed. Right. Now, Charles, Charles, why are you stressed? Actually, you know what? It's a great topic, but I don't want to get into it. Okay. Well, howdy, folks. It's Friday, and we are drunk and retired. Topic two. I'll get it. We'll Charles, it Charles doesn't want to get into it. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I really need to. The, the screen accompaniment is just fantastic. You see, you see how this new way works, and it's better. It's like you remember sub etha edit. It's like that, yeah. except uh-huh. in a web page. Uh huh. Yeah. Sub etha edit. They they had that like logo with the weird dudes. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We used by weird dudes. Yeah. And uh, and then everybody was like, "Well, we just want to don't do that." I guess people, everybody, they just use Screen Hero. Yeah. Now, now, or some sort is, of screen sharing. Is Screen Hero good? People around Pivotal use that. They mention. Oh, that. Screen Hero is great. Screen Hero is great. It's like the Unix philosophy of of pair programming tools. How's, like how so? It uses so types. It doesn't use no, but it does one thing and it does it well. So uh, it doesn't do video. Uh huh. It's just for collaboratively sharing the screen and allowing people to move the mouse and edit hmm. on it. And it, uh, it's really great because I use Dvorak uh, and it takes my input methods and filters them through before translating onto the other side. So for example, hmm. if we're using uh, some other technology, um, a lot of times we'll do pairing with two methods. One is with Screen Hero and the other is just daisy chained with our displays where we have, uh, you know, we have, keyboards inside of our um thunderbolt displays and so the key you can have two sets of keyboards two sets of displays but you're using one computer so the keyboard doesn't get mapped so i have to constantly be remapping the keyboard right right and i want to jump in but screen hero takes care of all that for you uh and i don't know i've just never had very few problems with it and um you know, you, you, do you ever notice you have there's that kind of there's that remote tax of and we we paid a little bit of it this time where it was like, oh, can you hear me? Mm-hmm. No. Can you can I hear you? No. Uh, and you kind of wave at each other over video or you send each other chats and you spend, you know, I don't know, five minutes anywhere from five to 15 minutes in a bad case, like dinking around yeah. with your remote sharing setup. It's an incredible waste of productivity where screen hero. Never had that. You know, I feel I, I, I think like Google effects where you can be like, I'm just going to draw a top hat with a mustache and put a monocle on your cursor. Mm, yeah. I remember I used to spend a lot of time in Yahoo. I am drawing little silly pictures with that with that Matt Kinman guy. That was fun. Yeah. We used to do a lot of like wet sack drawings. That must be some Simpsons reference, but it was something about a about milk in a wet sack or something. But, you know, this uh, this reminds me of something I, I nebulously think about every now and which is some people might call it the stock versus customized setup and i Uh often think about like since apple is a part of everyone's life so much uh how little they actually do 
compared to how much you can customize and add in your own functionality, right? Like right. they seem to be, you know, I run around all the time talking about how if you're going to do software, you need to constantly be innovating and adding features and doing things. And then I would say over the past, I don't know, maybe since 2008 or 10, like Apple doesn't actually do that much, right? Like they're very, they're very like uh, thin in the functionality that they deliver. And there's a whole other conversation. Oftentimes when they deliver the functionality, it only lives up to about 10% of the hype. Like remember, right. remember how awesome like handoff was supposed to be and all that stuff. And like now handoff yeah. is basically just like this weird, confusing icon on your dock. Like you're like, yeah, what the I finally fuck is actually this? got it the other day. Yeah. I finally got it. And I actually, it's not bad. It's, it's nice. But, uh, the whole concept and what the, I, I remember this, I was like, well, it's this weird, like icon. That's like, looks like, a someone slicing it off at a loaf of bread over on the other side of my, my task switcher. That one, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, 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 exactly. And I was like, oh, that's what I'm on my phone. Yeah. Or, or like, or like, I think I, I've also started to get it, which is like, if you copy onto the clipboard on your phone, that will be copied to the clipboard on your your laptop. Anyways, the whole point being that like it's not really that big of a deal. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, it was nice once I got it. Yeah, and, yeah. Like, there, there, I- there is some convenience. Like it goes back to that old, uh, the old uh, thin desktop idea that like uh, you're going to be doing something while you're in transit, not at your desktop, and then you come back to your desktop and you just want to continue the workflow. Right. Which right. which was kind of how handoff was presented. But in reality, right. it's just like, well, we, we're just passing this little string back and forth. Right. Like it's yeah. not it doesn't right. really bring you the context of everything. And maybe. No. And in fact, what's really going on is people are dicking around on Twitter. Yeah. And, and maybe when they're in between, <laughs> when they're in between yeah. places. Now, this it's is like, this right. is an, another and, and I'll try to get back to the main point. But this is another <laughs> effect. Another effect of, uh, of of Apple stuff is like basically anything cool they do really only works in their own stack of applications. It's very rare that other app developers take advantage of it. So at least from my perspective. So for example, with the handoff thing, like it would be pretty cool if like I was on in some not the workflow of the app, but I was in some weird workflow on my desktop. I mean my my uh, my uh, my phone, and then I come back to the desktop, and everything the whole context is brought up there. And there's various things that'll do that. Like if you if you're like saving little text files, they'll sync so you can load that. But anyways, okay. this promise of workflow continuance is just a bunch of bullshit. So, yeah. but then but then going back to the general principle and like uh, something we were talking about, like like it seems like like for it's nice. It's really nice when someone sends you a link on your phone and you can just and you yeah. happen to be at your computer. And yeah. you can be like, oh, I can just bring this up on my computer. That's nice. That's yeah, yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. And and so I I always figure that when when you encounter all these fiddly problems with things, right? Mm-hmm. It's because you've you've gone off off the stock path for doing things, right? Like, right. So for example, we're recording this in Skype. I have like a custom microphone, a USB microphone plugged in. Uh, I also have this line in thing that monitors and allows me to hear something. And then mm-hmm. Skype is not Apple software. And then I also have a call recorder thing going on. And you've got a similar setup. But then I also have a USB headset plugged in because I might use that one day. And so Skype gets confused and it doesn't know which input and output to select and all blah, blah, blah. Versus if we were just using FaceTime, which does not have the ability to record, and I had nothing plugged into my Magic Mac, everything would just work. 
right? Like, but right. so it's it's I like see. it's like <clears throat> layering on all this customization stuff beyond what what the default software is currently capable of that causes all these problems. Charles. It's an it's an integration issue. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I think I think this is one of like Apple's things is like they would rather there be no other company except Apple, <laughs> right? Like I think I feel like their behavior more or less shows that in their heart of hearts, they just barely tolerate other people making software that runs on their devices. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and maybe there, maybe there's, maybe right. there's like the money counters who like realize how much money is brought in by other people who like that. But I don't think if you went to like the true stripped down core of Apple philosophy, they would really like other software, right? They would want it to be all integrated together, all from them and paced out in a way that was that they thought was appropriate for their consumers of things, right? And so, well, I think that's essentially what what they're. I think that's essentially what they're going for, right? Is I, I think, you know, we say like Apple doesn't do much, but I think actually they do a lot uh, that you just don't see. Like the 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 totally. ecosystem now at this point is very thick. But it's hard packed. You yeah. know, it's like so. What the part that you interact with actually isn't that much. Um, well, it is, but it's. It's it's the 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 customization happens on the the area of uh, oh, you're editing the Google Doc now. Yeah. See. Ah. Okay. Yeah. So no, cut tape down. So do you write down the topics as they happen? If if I'm on the ball, then that makes writing notes easier. I got a whole uh, one one day. Uh, we should talk about uh, my whole my whole refined after after. 11 or 12 years of doing podcasting my my uh my refined process yeah i would love to hear about your refined process. anyway you anyways I, I interrupted you your can idea. retire about podcast about podcasting mm, yes you can have the podcast 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 yeah um but anyway so what i was saying is uh, you know i feel like they kind of they they integrate once they once an idea is proven out they they integrate it and they pack it down and then you're standing on it and you never see what's below the dirt. Exactly. Yeah, and that's there's that's... a lot between here and the core of the the earth. Right. It's just you know you don't care at that point. Right. Like, like that's that's how iCloud started out. It was this black box of storage that was not like a regular like like and and us nerds noticed this right. So for for years us nerds have been using Dropbox and you know uh, among the brilliance of actually working right, which it, I guess is hard with. Uh, file storage stuff one of the I, I think one of the brilliant design moves of dropbox which i've seen numerous <laughs> people out here hold this is a really hard problem yeah. one of the numerous things that like cloud-based things always fail at is like just fucking eat your notions of what's good and go with a hierarchical tree structure for storage right that is exactly what works everywhere everyone understands it everyone does that and Despite the fact, every, like when it, frequently, when including with iCloud, when people innovate stuff, they're like, "What if we didn't have folders? Folders are such a weird notion." Blah blah blah, and you're like, "Yeah, now you've got. I don't know how your fucking storage system works. It's this weird flat thing, and I can't organize." So, iCloud. Yeah, and I still don't really understand how iCloud works. Yeah, and and exactly. So iCloud's this weird black box, <laughs> but but it but I think iCloud's the point, got the problem, and and this isn't just me. It's not just nerds. It's like it's got the where's my shit problem. Right, and and I think I think their notion is. That as as a user of anything that is using iCloud, you just shouldn't care. It should you should just be like, and then I'll get to my next app here, like the Notes app, right? If you use the Notes app, you should just be like, oh, just on all my Apple devices, my notes are always there. I have no right. idea how that happens or what's going on, but they're just all there, right? It all right. works. That's a that's a healthy case, right? But then there's 
the toxic case of like, I want to share my photos on iCloud. Ugh. And then you, it's like, how do I even do that? And then it's like, can isn't there somewhere I can just put them? And then it's, oh you know, God. you're like, that, where's that my is, shit? That is like, it's since, like, I gave you my shit. Since, my since shit? we're turning our triumphant return to podcast. Can we curse on this uh, podcast? Of course. Since we're returning our triumphant return to podcasting okay. into just yet another complaining about Apple Podcasts, let me just <laughs> – I, I have a lot saved up because I don't let myself talk about this and other things. But, yeah, it is it is is the height of weirdness that, like, photo management is, like – I think I think it's the, the biggest disaster of the Apple world for a long time. Like, they haven't even screwed up security. Like, they're pretty good at security as far as I can tell, which, if you think about it, is kind of amazing, right? Like – Everyone screws up security, and they have managed not to really screw it up. Anyways, but, like, the whole premise of Apple is, like, uh, enabling regular people to do extraordinary things, right? And enabling extraordinary people to just keep doing extraordinary things, to be creative and all that stuff, right? And, and like, the most ordinary thing that ordinary people do is photos, Right. Like you would think that would be like and it for many people, it is. It's like the number one use case other than catching up with Facebook that they do. And like Apple is so terrible at it. It's like I feel like they don't even study what people do with photos like they, they, <laughs> they like they have no idea what's going on. And like and you see this in like I guess it's called photos now and iPhoto and they're, they, they try really hard to like manage your photos. But I, but I feel like they don't realize there's a few specific use cases. Like one of the use cases is like uh, I have now probably 20 years of digitized photos and digital photos. Yeah. And like just Apple is just like uh, it just gives up. It just it just doesn't know what to do with that amount of photos, right? Like so, for example, you would think what with and this is where being a nerd like it just makes you more frustrated. You would think with like ZFS kind of embedded in the file system somewhere, they would be like, you have 256 gigs in your laptop uh, and you're running your photos instance. Oh, you run out of space. Just plug in a USB thing and photos will take care of it for you. Right? Like right. it'll just say split your, your photos across all this different storage. Cause I think in my house, I probably have 10 terabytes of potential storage that could be used, like laying around on USB right. drives and everything. And it's just like, it just can't fucking figure it out. And then yeah. I paid a lot of money for the uh, the iCloud, iCloud thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's like when you actually want to look at that photo, it's like, let me wait for 20 Yeah. And, and what it's supposed to do uh, is like it's supposed to – you turn this thing on on iPhotos and it sounds scary because it's like optimize your storage. And I guess what it's doing is it's storing your originals in the cloud. The cloud. And, right. Uh, and what it does is it brings down uh, a yeah, local copy. Yeah. problem is, is it whenever you actually get a cache miss – it takes a long time to load that item, and and so I don't I don't even I don't even get to that part, right? So so there's two things. Really? There's two things. One, I wanted it to be a way to like store all my photos, and every quarter or so I go turn it on, and it runs and runs, and then it doesn't really even give me an error message. I just come back to it the next day, and nothing's happened, and that option is unclicked. And you investigate a little bit, and I think the problem is that like I don't have enough iCloud storage for the amount of photos that I have, which would be nice if it just told me that. Right. And and so that just doesn't work. So then there's another thing where it's like, so here's another thing that people would do with photos. Now, it turns out uh, that people end up cohabitating with each other every now and then they get married. And sometimes either through biological or legal means they get offspring. Right. So you have what you might call a family. I'm just trying to build up the personas in case an Apple engineer or designer is listening. Right. Some personas right. you have. Now, these personas, 
they don't share a phone, right? They have separate phones, which is also enforced by Apple Identity Management, right? It's not like a Fire tablet where multiple people can log into a phone, which is a whole other topic. But so they have separate streams of photos. Now, these people, they're taking pictures of the same stuff, and every now and then they want to share photos. Now, they might it might even be the case that they want to share all their photos so you can just look at them. This use case, not covered by Apple, right? They have right. some goofy notion of like a shared photo album where you have to proactively share things. And I think my, my uh, reverse engineering of this is I'm imagining the designers who are working on this family sharing feature. And I think maybe what they do, they take like 30 different pictures and then they go back home and they look over these 30 pictures. They load it up into some photo editing thing, maybe Aperture. And, and they pick the one photo and they edit it and they make it perfect. And they don't want anyone to see all of their other photos. And they only yeah. want to publish that one photo. And that's nice for them. Whereas with me, I'm like, I'm going to go down to the creek and take 50 photos. And fuck it. I want to share all of them. I don't even want to think about it. I want every single photo I take to be shared want, with my yeah. wife. I want to be slapping people in the face with photos. Yeah, because what's going to happen is my wife is going to want to make uh, holiday cards, Christmas cards. And she's going to say, um, one, she's going to say, are all my photos being backed up? I don't want my photos deleted. And then I'm going to be like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've, like, I've installed three mechanisms to back up all of your photos. And I'm pretty sure they're all working. But who the fuck knows, right? So yeah. good job, Apple, you know, making us feel good about that. And then she's also going to say, like, send me all the photos. And I'll, once again, I'll be like, eh, right? Like, it's just like, it's just like an unmitigated disaster, what they do with photos. And it's just so mind-boggling because uh, like that should be their thing, right? Like, they should be perfect at photos. But uh, anyhow, it's just like it goes back to the whole point of like I, I think I think a lot of the dissonance we have with Apple is like they um, I don't know. They just have this one way that they want you to do everything. And uh, the, if you don't do it that way, it's it's painful. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so I'm glad I got that all out of my system. I got a rash on my ass mm -hmm. so bad. But you know me. I can't complain. <laughs> yeah, I got a rash. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so yeah, you, you, you're right. We it wouldn't be uh, it wouldn't be a triumphant return to podcasting without an Apple rant. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. <clears throat> yes, because man, they're doing it wrong. Uh, <laughs> so uh, what are we going to cover? Uh, I actually was thinking. Um, well, okay, but here's there is actually something that we touched on at the very beginning, and I think this actually does map to a kind of a universal that maybe we can, you know, pull out and slap around a little bit. Uh, but that's the idea of when, at what point do you standardize and what point do you customize? Is that, oh, a, yes. is, is that a good for it? Like, I think that, I think that a healthy ecosystem does needs to do both. Uh, and I think that, you know, for, for all the ranting, Apple probably does a pretty good job of it. And they're probably pretty, pretty uh, clued in to this idea of, you know, their job is to facilitate or provide the platform that facilitates the next generation of platform. Yeah. Uh, and so that people can build and innovate, but then eventually we're going to kind of identify and integrate the best ideas from the, the innovation layer and then pack them into the dirt. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, yep. I think, I think that's their goal. Mm hmm. Yeah. So, so, but I, I think you see that in open source communities. I think you see it in, 
you know, operating system uh, communities, anything where you have a bunch of users, you have this this kind of concept of the hard pack uh, and then the powder that people are skiing on. Like, yeah. uh, you know, so your experts are out there, you know, racing around on the powder uh, and they're going up, you know, they're going in helicopters up to the top of the mountain and dropping out uh, onto this kind of rough or raw snow. But, you know, most of us stay on stay on the hard pack or, and eventually even make, you know, when they make a trail uh, up there that you can just ski on down. Yeah. So now you're going nuttos with the Google Doc here. Like all of a sudden, like you're just like boom, 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 boom. I'm giving a live stream of what uh, what well, you're doing. Well, that is, that is because uh, Google Doc. That is because over time, I talk with on on my other podcast, Software Defined Talk. I talk mm-hmm. with my friend Brandon a lot about uh, mm-hmm. about t- starting up a regular podcast, and so we've been we've been going over topics to talk about. So I'm just copying them into our our thing here. But mm-hmm. so but, now what's, let's uh, let's okay. Man, these are some good topics. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. See, I'm see, th- at the this one is, about uh, meat and barbecue. And let, let me let, let me let me add some context. First, let me start by adding some context to the context. All right. Okay. So, so first of all, welcome to the show, listeners. Charles and I oh. were talking. and We were thinking uh, we should actually put an effort to actually recording uh, some podcasts. Wait, are we here. starting now? No, no, no. We've okay. started a while ago. But okay, good. the story is the story is you know we used to do a podcast called Drunken Retired. I've actually I told you this, Charles. I uploaded most all of them to archive.org, so you can go listen to them. Yep. Uh, I'm going to put that in the the uh, bottomless pit of things I call stuff. The I will show notes? no no uh, stuff. Uh, I would like to go back and re-listen to some of those, and I've put that in the the bottomless uh, banker's box of things I call things I really want to do but will never actually do. Uh, because, because reasons. Uh, but anyways, uh, you know, we're always trying to reschedule something and we actually did have a two hour podcast, which, which I I haven't lost, but will be difficult to retrieve. But I thought what we should do, I finally got Charles's commitment to have a lockdown time every two weeks to possibly record. So we'll see what happens. Maybe we'll never record another episode, but, uh, you know, I do a lot of tech podcasts and my, my buddy Brandon and I are always complaining about how like, how come we only ever have like a thousand to four thousand downloads, right? Like our content's pretty good. There's really not that many it's a very niche topic that have a fair amount of people that should be listening to this. So like what what's the deal? And and he listens to a lot of podcasts. And you know, we have both noted that the more regular in real life your topics are in a podcast, by definition, the more people you can reach, and so there's more people who subscribe right. to it. So we often are trying to plan out what I always call like the regular podcast, uh, right, and right. and so that's these topics that uh, that we've come at. Now, also, also, you know, I'm a big fan of the. Uh, it's often two white males, two old white males sitting around just talking about how they how they view life uh, format podcast. Mm-hmm. So right. that's kind of a lot of what these topics are. So the context is we got all these topics that now I'm just totally boosting for uh, mm-hmm. the attempt to, to podcast with Charles. Okay. Yeah, no, I love this. I love this. I, although I tell you, like having a regular podcast, so we do a weekly podcast uh, on the Frontside Podcast. I don't know if you listen to the, that podcast. Uh, I subscribe to podcast. it, Charles. I was pretty good at listening <laughs> to it, but I've, I've fallen behind. Nice yeah. I appreciate that. Um. So, so, but you know, even then, I think we get about a thousand downloads. Yeah, um, it's just like it's just like I mean, I mean, if 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 I can complain a little bit, because this well, is this I, is another thing I want for this podcast is I, it, it may not appear to be the case, but I tried to maintain a professional agenda, uh, hemming to my other podcasts and not really, 
not really just complain about things and talk not not go meta that, but like, that, are, so we're not yeah we're, this is not a professional agenda no 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 like i I, I try to not be meta in my podcast as much as possible but like i am like i am like a voracious consumer of like uh non-consumer tech news and it is just like it is just awful right like it's really bad like there's some gyms in there but i have to read I have to read a lot, like every day I read a lot of like, let's call it infrastructure news, right? And it's just like, it's just so terrible. And mm-hmm. and so like when I see, when I, one, produce something that's good, or I think something that's good, it's just like, I don't understand why it's just like, gets such shitty readership. Because anyways, it's, it's mm. very, very upsetting. And uh, I don't know. I don't know, Cote. Nobody appreciates. I think I think basically just the market for it is extremely small. And, and, uh, I don't know. That's the answer to it. Part the just... problem is it's because everybody's reading so voraciously that people feel like they have to generate content so voraciously. Yeah. yeah like, or so, so what's the opposite of voracious implies consumption. Like, like I got, uh, I got, of, what's, what's producing, yeah. uh, in extreme and frantic quantities. Yeah. Like I got, I got, I heard, I heard a, uh, on the Ezra Klein podcast, I heard, I heard a great interview with Kara Swisher. Right. And she's, she seems like a really great tech reporter and I like her attitude. And, uh, and I'd written off the recode stuff a long time ago cause they never really covered anything that I liked. And then they had this one enterprise software reporter and that person's stuff was, it was good quality reporting, but it always lacked context and lacked uh-huh. any opinion about things. Right. Um, like, like I'm, I'm rabbit holing here, but what I'm always searching for is like the economist of enterprise IT news. You know what I mean? Ah, right. And and that just doesn't exist. And so, anyways, so I got right, really it doesn't I, have like it's either it's yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you feel like IT news is either super dry or super dumb. Dash. Yeah, but uh, but, yeah, but and, there's and, no in between. And so I got I got really excited. I was like, oh, I mean, she seems like a really good reporter, and I'm going to start following all the uh, the recode stuff. And you go follow, and it's all the same shit from everywhere else. It's like, well, today. Snap released this thing that allows you to put a cat on your face. And, oh, my God, what's going to go on with the Snap IPO? And it's just like, who fucking cares? I mean, obviously, people care, but I don't right. care, right? Like, And right. then and then every now and then they'll be like, uh, you know, IBM uh, said that they have a Watson partnership doing this. And, like, no one, right. is, no one is doing an analysis of, like, so it's, like, five years after Watson – Let's like look at some numbers and adoption. Like, what's going on with it? What is right. Watson? Right? Like, right. there's no, right. like, like. And, Basically, and, tech journalism has outsourced its thoughtful reporting to like windbags on Medium. Yeah, and like I, I read another story uh, for a right. Uh, I mean, is that like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Immediately, like, it seems like what you're looking for is those think pieces uh, that people write, except with you know a more journalistic bent. Yeah, uh, yeah and but, more. Yeah. More regular and more on topic rather than like here's some random thing that, you know, people are just kind of trying to put up there to, to, to boost themselves. Yeah. And, and, and it's fine if you just have straight up reporting where it's like this thing happened. Here are the facts in a condensed way. I'm going to move on to the next thing. Like you got to have that. But like like, for example, an, another good example of this is if you ever read news about OpenStack, it's just like a tire fire of reporting. Like never mind the the content itself. Like. But there, there's always so little context about what goes on in the OpenStack world, what people actually do with it, like year over year, how it's evolving. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. allow you to like read any credible coverage. So there was there was coverage, uh, like I don't know, there was some story that like eBay uses OpenStack and they went from using like the uh, 
Magnum, like OpenStack container management, and now they've like customized and built their own Kubernetes thing to manage it or whatever. There was fact-based reporting. Yeah, there was fact-based reporting or reporting of facts. Uh, mm-hmm. And and then there was this weird like judgmental paragraph about like, I don't know, people are always saying OpenStack's crap. End of article, right? And it's just like you could spend a couple of hours, right, uh, like maybe looking at keynotes of people who talk about OpenStack or finding mm-hmm. some commentary here. And you could kind of have an ongoing sense of like, what is going on in the OpenStack market? You could even look at press releases from analyst firms like my old firm, 451, and get like, I don't know, the past five-year like market size of the OpenStack market. You could just add some kind of context. Like you right. know, go- going, back, so going back to the right. analogy, like that's, that's what you'll get in like an economist thing is like even in their tiny espresso app. I, like I, a couple days ago, I renewed my economist membership just so I could read the espresso thing. Like they'll have like a 200, 150-page word article and there'll be a chart that shows you like the momentum and evolution of this stuff to kind of contextualize whatever it is you're reading about. So, so maybe you should. So it sounds like for so first two points. Isn't that what uh, Red Monk kind of is uh, supposed to be? Is really compelling content and not just fluff. In fact, yeah, you yeah. Know, no, no, they uh, they, the, they the uh, regurgitation of facts. Yeah, and then, yeah. but I, I realize there's not a scale. There, there there's not a scale there. Um, but then maybe you should you know maybe you should pitch this to the Economist. If we to our listeners out there at The Economist. Uh, you should see about talking to Cote about maybe um, uh, um, <clears throat> opening up a, a new tech department. I mean, they do cover technology. They even have their technology quarterly uh, where where they dedicate an entire issue. Yeah, yeah. No, I, it has and, a couple and, special reports, but yeah. you know what you're saying is maybe like an online property where yeah. that's that's it's just thoughtful tech reporting. Yeah. Like, that like, provides context, that provides opinion, yeah. and also is like a nice you know, blend of facts. Well, well, first to be clear, I re- I like my job and I, and I want that mm-hmm. to continue. Right. Like, right. like maybe, you know, my, my plan is maybe our listeners at Pivotal. Every, 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 every time, uh, there's, there's basically two ways that Waze tells me to drive Wait, to the airport. I, Kote, do we, do we in fact have any listeners? Uh, well, yeah, I'm, I'm think... putting, I'm putting this in my Kote show podcast, which has 500, uh-huh. 600 uh-huh. downloads. So there's probably oh, okay. like three, three to 10 listeners. I'm sure okay. most of those are bots. And just like building up my NSA file uh, in every nation. But anyways, so like every time I drive to the airport, Waze either sends me down 183 or uh, on the toll road. And on 183, there's this billboard that has the lottery numbers. And so one day when I win the lottery, right, and I'm independently wealthy, like I do think it would be it would be super fun to start up just like here's the tech news thing that I think how things should be covered. But Mm -hmm. at the moment, I, I think my employment's fine. But uh, you know, I think who does a good job at this is actually my former firm, 451 Research. Now, their problem is they think they're an analyst firm, but really they're just a tech journalism firm. I'm sure they right. would just be upset at that. And so instead of having a paywall that basically you have to pay 800 to $2,000 a seat to read their articles, they need to figure out how to monetize like on more of an economist way, right? Where like mm-hmm. 10 to 15% of your content is free and then you can have individual subscriptions, which... I think it's probably not sustainable because there's not enough of a market for for what I want, so they have to follow the model that they do. But anyways, they do. Well, a, you, maybe you'd be surprised. Maybe yeah, yeah, could could be they're... could be they they do a really good job covering uh, tech news. Maybe um, the Economist should buy four five one. Yes, I'm sure they would love that. I mean, they need a little four five one needs a little bit of editorial input that they get as a side effect of being an analyst shop, and that is there's some things that they cover that really they don't need to cover, and that's often. Uh, because, um, 
I don't know, various reasons. Like people or companies are old friends or it's just on the beat, but they need a lot better editorial control to be kind of relevant. The kind that you would get from a uh, from uh, from a newsy take versus an analyst take. But mm-hmm. as an example, like one thing that they would probably be good at, at analyzing, and this would be like a big story, is like this is a weird topic that we've arrived on. But uh, like, you know, you read all these stories that all of the big tech companies have these like billions and billions of dollars of cash hoards, right? Like all this money. And then if they can repatriate money, they'll have even more billions. And so like the story would be like, what are they going to spend that money on? Right. And as far as I can tell, there's three options, right? One, they do a bunch of like share buybacks or dividends, which is just giving the money back to shareholders and also mid-level management above who's, you know, compensated through equity uh, in addition to their comp. Or two, they could acquire a bunch of companies, uh, you know, which is an interesting analysis. Or three, they could actually do like organic in-house innovation with that cash, right? And like just that ongoing story, you know, the tech companies' hordes of cash year after year would be interesting. And it, like, and another interesting aspect, like here's another thing that people don't cover very well is like, so how did that acquisition go? <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> right, right. Like, and 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 then there's also not the ongoing story that like tech acquisitions really typically don't work right like they're very they don't yeah. work out very well and and you kind of see this poking out through coverage of Yahoo and IBM right where like no one is really sure why Yahoo and IBM don't seem to be doing well but they sure certainly talk about it a lot right like it's it's like it's as if like no one actually looks at the the revenue returns or or unreturns the financials and kind of like has this ongoing analysis of like like I don't know if this is true but like at one point you could look at IBM and be like well the reason they're not doing well is because their their hardware revenue is dipping and their software revenue seems to be dipping and then why is that right like what is the nature of their hardware and software such that people are not buying it more and to your point like Stephen O'Grady at uh, at Red Monk he did some analysis uh, ongoing analysis of Oracle. And kind of pointing out that like their on-premise stuff and their hardware is not getting renewed. The people are not buying it as much as possible and as possible and as they used to. And the reason they're not doing that is because people are moving to these more SaaS based things. And so what Oracle, you know, the reason Oracle is suffering is because they're not cloud enough. Right. And is uh, Oracle suffering? Uh, I, I generally like I, I don't know. See, see I don't cover I'm this glad. anymore, but that that would be that would be a good conclusion. Right. Like how's Oracle? <laughs> right? right. Like, and, and then, and then equally, like when Larry Ellison comes out annually and talks about like how well they're going to do in cloud and how well they're doing in cloud, like it's, it's, it's uncanny how similar he's like the Trump of like enterprise it at the moment. He just right. like says shit. That's, that's like intuitively false and analytically false as well. And just like crazy. Um, and no one like really calls him on his shit ever. Like even the people at the register kind of do a little bit. Anyways, I should wrap up my rant, but it is like, it is like, it's just like so depressing how bad tech news coverage is. They're, but they're on, they're at a one year high right now. They're Oracle stock. Do they just have, did he just pull some Trump shit? Cause I mean, Oracle's definitely a company like, uh, I would sell short. Yeah. But like, what's their, what's, what is, let's, let's just, this is the looking up. Looking up financial information, part of the podcast. <laughs> let's let's look at their their finance. Do we have a soundboard, Cote? Let's look up their their uh, their uh, what's their what's their share price over the past five years? Over the past five years, I don't know. 
I, I know this is something I never do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is like, like, so, so these companies, like, what's difficult, and this is probably why people don't do it. Like, if you look at their ten-year share price, right? Like, it is steadily going up. But what what you want to mm-hmm. like measure is like all the forgotten stuff of like what is the expected return, like growth rate, and like how are they delivering on things, and like what's the potential that they have, and what's the profit margin that they do, like. Like looking at just raw share prices is, is just one angle to look at. Whereas if you look at actual right. like, like, uh, like, uh, like profit that they're pulling and how they're doing stuff. Anyways, that's my whole point. Is like I would expect like tech coverage to like follow that. And then, and then in contrast, like you go to like the financial analysts and they're like totally shitty too, right? Like every now and then you get these PDFs from financial analysts and like they're just like totally duped by all the qualitative stuff, like. Right. Like Oracle says they're going to be entering cloud stuff now. And so we think that's going to be fantastic. And you're like, you have no idea what you're talking about. Right. Like anyways. Right. And so so this is why we have tech bubbles. Yeah, right? exactly. A lack of proper journalism uh, is then all of a sudden the the chain. There's no one actually looking out ahead to say, hey, there's a cliff approaching. Uh, you see that cliff? Um, you, you know, we're headed for that cliff. There's there's not actually that person. And so then when the cliff does approach, everybody on the train is like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's like a surprise. So here you go. If you look at the annual uh, financial data, which has one to the past four years of Oracle, right? Mm-hmm. Their financial calendar ends in May, which whatever. So in in the 12 months ending 2013 May, they made, their top line revenue was $37 billion, right? So then you go look at uh, 12 months ending May of 2016, their top line revenue is 37 billion. So they're flat, right? So then you go down and you look at their income before tax, right? So their profit, basically, uh, you just pick one of these ways of doing it, never mind the cash flow. But their profit before paying tax uh, in in 2013 was 13.8 billion. Their profit before tax in 2016 is 11.4 billion, right? So right. I don't know, but that doesn't seem cool. right (laughs) you got uh (laughs) hey man you got a two billion more dollars nope be a lot cooler if you did so you know that's why like but if you do look at the share price like i don't know what kind of discounting or the opposite of juicing that that the market's doing but their share price does kind of go up but there's something interesting going on there, right? Like, whoa, what is what's up with these revenue numbers? Um, mm-hmm. And then, and so it's, uh, I don't know, like all that information is there, but people just don't cover this stuff. And and again, like, I think I think uh, it's very time consuming uh, to do that, and it's expensive because you need experts who like only follow these beats. And all I can all I can summarize is that people just don't uh, they don't want to pay for it, which I guess is fine. I mean, I, yeah. so, someone pays for all that economist stuff, though. But that is more general general news. Regular podcast, Charles. Regular podcast. Regular podcast. Well, that's it's it's coming your way. Yeah. Well, Kote, I think uh, I think we could we we can either jump into one of these topics, or we can just jump right into the pool. And by pool, I mean hang up the call. That's right. Well, well. So, so let's let. Why don't you go over these topics? And like, we've got we got like ten ten more scheduled. Yeah, maybe minutes. we can do like. Uh, so, so here we go. We've got. You, you uh, said you topics. like these topics. So, why don't I like you, tell me what you, tell me what you think they are? The first one is time collapses. I don't know if I like that topic. I don't know what that means. That that, that means kind of metaphysical. 
that means I I was thinking the other night that like uh, I forget the example. Oh, I know, I know. It was that this this lost podcast that you and I recorded. I was mm-hmm. thinking like I feel like that wasn't too long ago, and I was like, oh, that was actually in July. That was a long time ago, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, and so yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, like my yeah, yeah. my notion of time is like grossly collapsed. At, at least yeah. when it comes to I don't know what and like I don't right. I, no, it's it's. As you as you age, supposedly, your notion of time does contract. Yeah. So um, time seems to pass more rapidly for you. Although, I think that's actually pa- partly due to perception. I think the fact is, or it's when you when you develop a routine, and so you naturally your your body or your mind naturally filters out things that is not relevant inter- information. Mm-hmm. And so, <clears throat> uh, not, is not relevant information. Uh, and so, um, you know, things like taking the kids to school or putting them to bed seem a lot less to take a lot less time than they actually do. Yes. Uh, and the whole thing is when, you know, your work day is structured exactly the same and your meals are very familiar. Cause I noticed when I was, you know, I had, you start to experience this time collapse even, you know, into your early adulthood. But then I was, what, 26 uh, when I basically quit and went to South America. And every day was something completely different. And I noticed time dilation, the Mm -hmm. opposite of time collapse, where essentially everything was a new experience and my mind couldn't filter anything out as just noise. Uh, And so it actually seemed like life was taking longer. So, you know, there's, there's a topic Mm-hmm. So there's a topic. Um, schedule and time management. Whew, how do you even uh, interrupting? Normals don't like it. What does that mean? So this, this is this is uh, this is something I talk you're talking about. about Kote? Yeah, exactly. This is something I talk about every now and then. And I don't know if it's just me and my wife or, or me or other people. But like in my in my in my work life. Uh, or at least in my my nerdy friend life, like interrupting is like the modus operandi of conversation. Like you're just constantly interrupting each other, and and uh, whereas whereas it's like with, software, right? Yeah. Whereas whereas when I'm talking with Kim, like if if I don't if I don't stop interrupting her, she'll divorce me, right? I mean that's that's, <laughs> that's put in an extreme way, but like she does not function in an interrupt driven style of conversation. And, yeah. you know, and I, I'm pretty sure that's normal. Like that's the way most people yeah, are. Yeah, I know. That's, and that's polite. And so, and so like with each of these topics, I'm more interested in like talking about like just a, just like a deep analysis of, of what, what these things are, what we think about them and, and how we operate under them. Right. right. So that's, that's kind of like the scheduling and time management thing is like, is like I'm interested in sharing how how we go about doing that. So interrupting is another one where like it would be interesting to have a conversation where it's sort of like uh, how do you function in an interrupt driven conversation, mm-hmm. and then conversely like how yeah. can you function in a non interrupt driven conversation, right? And just right. as as a preview, like I was just having a conversation with Kim today, and I was like, I'm having like three different thoughts about what you're saying, and I know I'm only going to remember a third of one of them by the time I get the chance to talk, <laughs> right? right? And so like. Like, it's just like, I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting to think hey, out yeah, loud knock, about how knock. you function there. Who Who's there? Interrupting, Interrupting cow. cow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, what did the seven say to the eight? Nice belt. That's a good one, too. But, uh, and, and then, and then you know, the endless font of, of topics of kids and parenting. Wouldn't that be the zero? What did uh, the zero say to the eight? 
Well, I think I think I think the the leap is that there is a uh, yeah sure sure I don't know something about you know what what does a tomato say to its kid ketchup or something I don't know I don't is remember it? those jokes no but so, so wait with nice belt like yeah. the seven's wearing a belt no the eight is wearing a belt because the eight's just a zero with a belt on right so would the zero say to the eight I'm gonna add a new topic explaining children's jokes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So then, all right. so then the so other all these, all these uh, ooh, the man, there's so many good ones. Sports ball, eating bad but good, dieting, cooking, meat and barbecue. Yeah, hmm. yeah. I heard a story the other day from the Texas Standard, and it was it was a story, and the whole premise was all those sides you get at barbecue joints, and I was like, oh my god, that is like, <laughs> that is that is that is like my desert island topic. Like basically just condiments, condiment culture across all your food topics. Big, I remember the first time we went to Taco. I went to Taco Cabana with uh-huh. you. Yeah. Like, Ooh, like yeah. have you been to Taco Cabana lately? I mean, they they've Not been, in a long their, time. Their condiment game is strong. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they've got all kinds of condiments just out there on display. I think maybe that's one of the reasons you were attracted to Polvos too. Yeah. Uh, totally. They, yeah. Their condiment game is up there. Yep. Yep. It ranks. Um. Well, cool, man. I'm, let's let's dig into them. We're gonna do all these topics right now. Um, <clears throat> we're gonna dedicate ninety seconds to each, or maybe ninety minutes. Mm-hmm. No, we let's let's this. These are good topics, man. These are all good. Right. Uh, this is good stuff. Free beans at Cooper's. It's true. Yep. Now, that's what I just typed in. Another topic: condiment culture. Mm-hmm. So, so then, so then, you know, there's also like, you, yeah, you read through all the stuff. I, I think the last one, maybe, maybe, maybe we can workshop this one, as they say is uh is i've been thinking a lot about culture as as i typed in here as an esteemable life pursuit which is to say there's a lot of people who spend a lot of their time thinking about just cultural artifacts like books and tv and they really like analyze them and like i i i just feel like it's it's like i don't think this is the right feeling but it feels like a waste of time <laughs> and i know it's not and so <laughs> No, no, no. Just like, just like, like, so here's the, here's, it will, and then we'll wrap up after this. Here's the thing that I always, that I always think about. So there's this Incomparables podcast, right? Which is basically like a fandom podcast where they just talk about like stuff. And I listened to an episode about American Gods recently and, mm-hmm. uh, and I went and reread the book because of it and it was nice, but they just spent like an hour talking about that book, American Gods. And I was thinking like, that's a lot of time to spend on something like all yeah. the, the pre-work and everything. And and these people obviously think that it's a good pursuit in life. Mm-hmm. And so like, yeah. like that, that the idea that I would spend a significant amount of my time doing that thing sounds really nice, but it also seems dangerous. And so I don't know what to do with that. Right. Like I, again, I'm not passing a judgment. It's more like, I just need some therapy about like, why do I think like that? What does that mean? Well, I mean, it's, it's, why do you think that it's dangerous? Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and then the, the reason I know that the, re, well, the, the reason I know that I shouldn't think that way is like, if I think about it, like basically the three major pursuits of humanity are basically like staying alive. Right. So that's, that's good. And then like reproducing and then like culture, like, and you're just like continually evolving like yeah culture entertainment religion but all that stuff that you do to fill time related to the other two i mean it's an ecosystem right yeah yeah yeah. whereas my focus is primarily on on survival and as doing my job right and Mm -hmm. and then and then i guess like kids because i have kids Mm -hmm. and and it's just like i don't 
Anyways, that's a topic. But the culture, I mean, you can't like uh, you you can't you can't separate those two. Yeah, right? yeah, the yeah, yeah. And and culture as, provide as, the framework by which you raise your children. Right, right. Or to put it another concise way, uh, as as, or, as as some quote from Churchill says, right, like where they were they were looking to not spend money on culture during the war or whatever, and he was like, well, then what are we fighting a war for, right? Like it's just sort of like so just just positioning like the pursuit of culture as like a thing you should care a great deal about. Like I have a lot of trouble thinking about that. So it, it I don't know. Seems yeah. like a good topic. So we'll, uh, we'll come back in two weeks, right, Charles? Is this a good time? All right. In two weeks, same time. I'll, same I'll make place. a reoccurring thing. And I'm just going to put this in my Kote show podcast feed for now, which is basically just my catch all random thing, okay. which, which is available at Kote.show. And you can yeah, look talk at, about a bait and switch, Kote. Yeah, yeah. Maybe <laughs> one day uh, this is the podcast that I change the name of every now and then, but we'll see what happens. But if you just go to koteshow.com, dot com, you can find to it and subscribe it, and it's also in iTunes and Overcast and everything. And maybe we'll rename it, or maybe not. But uh, there we are. So we'll see everyone next time. Bye bye. Already. Bye bye.